the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And welcome back. It is Lifeline, Andy Froyland, and my guest joining us tonight is uh, somewhat new to our audience, somewhat new to Lifeline. Uh, hopefully, um, we're going to change that tonight and in the future as well. Matt Fretwell joins us tonight. He is a uh, he's a church planter. Uh, he's this, that, and everything. He's a chief cook and bottle washer, and and I, I can also say that literally as well. Welcome to the program, Matt. Thanks, Andy. I really appreciate you having me here. It is a delight to have you on board tonight. Uh, One of the things we try and do at the end of the year here on Lifeline, uh, especially when they give me a chance to come in and play in the sandbox, is to kind of do a year in review and take a look at some of the things, uh, well, at least that I'm, I'm passionate about. I know a lot of our audience is passionate about as well. And then look forward to the new year ahead of us. And so one of the things I am passionate about is uh, church planting. And there's been an awful lot that's happened here in the last couple of years, the last year especially, which has really opened the door for church planting in the year 2018. And Matt joins us tonight to talk about all of that. But to before we get to it, I want to give you a sense of who Matt is, just so you know that we're just not pulling a rabbit out of the hat to go, oh, yeah, church missions, church planning, here you go, and then on to the next subject. Uh, Matt, uh, if you could, give us a thumbnail sketch of your journey in Christ. I think this is fascinating, and I know our audience will love it. So have at it, brother. Wow. So I like to, first of all, explain to people that uh, I grew up Episcopalian, and so I was a nominal Christian at best. Um, I accepted Jesus at 11, but then wandered off, and I didn't surrender to him as Lord until about age 31. Uh, During that time, there were just um, what I call my dark years in between. And, um, you know, I, I was able to pursue the culinary arts field in which, uh, thank the Lord, he, he was, you know, I didn't see it at the time, but he was really behind the scenes and allowing me to be pretty successful in what I do. And um, I understand now that the gifting and hard wiring is, is quite the same in what I do with working with church planners in the aspect of when I was an executive chef and an, and an owner of a restaurant. Um, the same thing about innovation, about training, um, about seeing new trends, all of those things, and being able to ba- basically reach people with a product and reach people with within a culture of a culture. And, and food is a lot like that. And so um, not until I turned about 31 around that age, did I follow the call into vocational ministry, if if that's such a thing? Because I believe that everyone has a ministry, right? Um, right. So you know, I, I I realized I was I was called to serve in a different area than the restaurant business, and and I, so I left that business. But 
um, and then followed through with with seminary and, and everything else that entails that calling. And uh, God has just been miraculous in delivering me. Quite honestly, I was um, I was an angry person prior to that. I was also um, heavy, heavy drinker, and uh, the Lord even delivered me from that aspect. And uh, I. Um, while I was delivered from alcohol, I went back because I still owned my restaurant and my restaurant was a, a high end, uh, upscale, uh, wine bar. And so I still had to go in and do all the tastings for, I was, I was the owner. I was the one who did all the wine ordering. Miraculously though, uh, the deliverance, um, that God had given me was, was tremendous in the aspect of there was no more, um, yearning for it there was no more desire for it all that had all that just had left and as a matter of fact my palate became greater and i understood hmm. wine even a whole lot better than i had before i became um basically in control of it and it didn't own me and so um you know my life was uh transformed completely uh and utterly uh, different than than where I was, and um, so uh, I got to where I am here now. Not easily, I would say. A lot of people look at where I am and think, "Boy, I wish I could do what he does." But if people really had walked in my shoes, um, there were some dark times where they probably wouldn't have survived. And um, you know, we all claim to want what somebody else has, but we really don't want to walk through what they walk through to get there. A lot of people don't really understand that when God purposes to use a man for great things, he'll first take him through deep things. And you're right, a precious few will sign up for the deep things, uh, even though they may know what the great things might be on the back end. It's, uh, it is a journey, isn't it? It is. I mean, I even look at men like Charles Spurgeon, who just battled deep depression. Uh, and, you know, we, we fail to understand that. People would say, you know, I, I would love to have Spurgeon's ministry, but they don't understand <laughs> really how much he went through. And, and I think that's just the same with us. We're normal, everyday people. And I think in James, it says it the best that, you know, even though Elijah prayed, he was a man just like you and I. And and we fail to realize that we have the same power, the same Holy Spirit, same God, um, but we do go through turmoil and strife and pain and suffering. And if the Advent season, this season of Christmas hadn't told us anything, it's that that God stepped forth into a world that was completely dark and um, the angels proclaimed it in light. And so we should understand that God wants to intersect our, our darkness. And I think that's that's really, in a nutshell, what church planning is about and what really strives me to push into church planting is the lostness uh, within society. Amen to that. And I want to get to that in just a moment here. Uh, you you did mention something, and just to kind of lay a bit of groundwork for where we are headed, uh, so much of how God outfitted you for the culinary arts and, and uh, a restaurateur and all that, uh, there's another element, and I've seen this in so many church planters. One of the key elements to this, you kind of alluded to it, the entrepreneurship. You have to have this vision and this mindset of creating something out of nothing, don't you? Uh, yes, I definitely think that is one of the and they and you know when we do assessments, not just we as you know a new breed uh, guy who does the assessments for new breed, but whether it's it's Nam, whether it's Pillar, no matter wh who the who the network is, when they do assessments, they look for an entrepreneurship of someone, and I don't know if it's so much 
creating things from nothing as it is that an entrepreneur is a person who is a self-starter, but they're also self-motivated. They they don't need to be micromanaged. And as it is with with being an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs understand this, that Number one, they really don't like to be micromanaged. And the, the term we use instead of entrepreneur is apostolic right. in the church. And, and if you have that apostolic mindset of being someone who paves the way, an innovator and a creator, and, and you know we're, we're just image bearers of God and little mini creators, so to speak, not gods, but the aspect of we have the creativity that, that he has and we have his intellect being created in his image. So... There is that aspect of being uh, this innovator and a self-starter, if you will, and not being afraid uh, to do things that others won't do, as Paul says. Now, when people used to ask me, man, aren't you scared to be you know, a restaurant owner? And I used to say, you know what? You have to get onto the diving board to find out if there's water in the pool. Yeah. Uh, the difference is we jump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> jump first, ask questions later. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Matt Fretwell is our guest tonight here on Lifeline. And one of my passions is church planting, um, uh, getting behind it all, understanding what is behind it all and why it is so vital and important. Uh, for us as believers in Christ, as the church at large, uh, if we sit on our duffs and do nothing except uh, sing three songs, pray, sing two more, listen to a guy talk once a week, man, you're uh, you're spinning your wheels. You're not doing anything. Uh, there is a dead and dying world out there, and we've been called to be a light on a hill for all of this. And that's what we're discussing tonight. My, Matt Fretwell, again, my guest here on Lifeline. We're going to take a quick time out, check traffic, pay some bills, and when we come back, Matt Fretwell will continue our conversation on church planting. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center now. We've got a look at that commute of yours. And now back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we are back. It's Lifeline. Andy Froyland, my guest, Matt Fretwell, joining us tonight. Pastors Oak Hall Baptist near Richmond, Virginia, among several other things. The uh, uh, culinary genius, which really appeals to me because I, I love culinary geniuses. Well, my palate does. Uh, also, uh, podcast, The Wretched and the Wrecked, uh, several books. And uh, you just finished your uh, your degree at uh, Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, Matt? I did. I just finished my doctorate work, and it was in reproducible disciple-making for church planners. Uh, a little a little bit different. It's a, a real practicum and, and a whole unit broken into uh, seven practicums of an internship that lead church planners into planting into areas uh, through disciple making. And, and so a little bit different. Uh, it's not as... Uh, you know, it matches new breed because we don't really go in with 50 to 100 people. A lot of our guys are parachutists, so to speak. And right. they go they go into an area that's sort of hostile toward the gospel, which is quite all right. But we want to equip them to be able to make disciples uh, or disciple makers of new converts. And uh, this is where the connection is for our audience. Uh, for those of you who have uh, spent some time here on Lifeline, you'll know that one of our friends, 
uh, is Peyton Jones, and uh, he's been one of my guests uh, on several occasions. He's he's a, a semi regular. We don't want to let it go to his head. <laughs> we, no, we don't want to do that. Uh, but uh, he is uh, one of the founders of New Breed Church Planning. And Matt, how did you get involved with uh, with Peyton, and how did you end up running New Breed Church Planning? Well, Peyton, uh, Peyton and I were introduced by a mutual friend, uh, Patrick Hubbard, who is the founder and president of Living Bread Ministries. Now, they're a, a global church planning, mm-hmm. uh, a comprehensive global church planning network, and they just they do a great job. So um, when the, he introduced us, Peyton and I started just sort of working together, and I ran a cohort here in Richmond to train church planners through uh, Peyton's work uh, that was the jump school training mm-hmm. that he had. Right. And so Peyton said, hey, why don't you come on? This is like 2014. He said, why don't you come on like as an East Coast director? And I said, okay, you know, that, that sounds like up my sleeve. I, I can do that. And so I, w- I started doing that. And as we developed this relationship over time, he said, you know, how about you take them be a national director? And that was in 2015. Right. And, and I said, you know, whatever it looks like, okay. And so we sort of just volleyed it back and forth. I had the title, but things really weren't, you know, like I, I really didn't have the grasp on what it was. Peyton was still kind of at the helm. And then he went to work for NAM. And so once he went to work for NAM, it was a conflict of interest. And so he just said, hey, Matt, um, I'm not going to be able to do this stuff with New Breed. You know, it's just not going to work for me. I can't do both. And so would you be the director of operations for all of New Breed? And I said, I will on one condition. I said, when I had a restaurant, people used to micromanage me. And I, and I said, if you want me to do it, I'll do it. And, you know, I, I remember having an owner, same conversation. I said, look, you're making 300000 in sales. Give it give it to me and let me run it. And then the end of three years, we'll have a million. And so uh, at the end of three years, we had 1.1. And I was, I'm just designed that way. So I said that to Peyton, look, if, if you want to run it, you can run it. If you want me to run it, then let loose and I'll do it. And he said, have at it, man. So I, I took the I took it over, and immediately we put into place um, regional coordinators, Northwest uh, United States, Southwest United States, and they were basically guys who had already been new breeders, working hard, and we sort of shored up the the uh, application process, the assessments, the content development. Um, the way we we train, uh, and so that is all the things that that I sort of put into place in the structural leadership uh, to help new breed to flow a little bit better and to really just bless the guys to give them the tools and the resources that they need as frontline ministers on, on the ground for the gospel. So uh, that's really in a nutshell how things work get worked out and how I became running new breed. All right. We're transitioning then Uh, from that to the first question. I know some of our listeners are probably thinking right now. If I'm a listener, I'm probably thinking the same thing. Uh, What is it so different about training a church planter? Why can't you just go to seminary for that? Or why don't you just have a church start another uh, plant, you know, take a take twenty or thirty people from your church and go over to the other side of town and start over there. What what is it 
about New Breed church planning that makes this thing so different that you have to have this whole organization for it all? Yeah, that is a fantastic question. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Because before, while you were stating the question, I said, you know, you, you I was thinking to myself, you can do all those first things that you just said, you, you can go to you know, to seminary and be a church planner and, and try get trained that way. You can go in another network and get trained that way, or you can take 50 people and go and, and do that way. And I would say this, all of those are ways to church plan. There's not one perfect way. There are a lot of different models and a lot of ways. However, what we have with New Breed is special and different for this very fact. Some of our distinctives are different than others. We have three separate assessments during training. And so a lot of church planning networks, they may – now, I should say this too. We're not a funding network. We're a training network specifically. Right. So that's what we focus on. Now, some of the networks, uh, some of the guys will actually – we have a lot of other networks – uh, we have their planners that come in because we train. And so instead of just giving one assessment and then telling someone, you know what, you're not church planning material, um, we believe that, like Paul said to Timothy, stir up what is in you, and we want to help that gifting come out. So if someone believes that they're called into that, we would rather work with them and train them for a solid year before they even have a core team and are sent out. So we're going to add, we're going to have three assessments. And then during those assessments through the year, we're going to ask the question, are you trainable in our first assessment? Our second one, um, are you learning? And our third one, are you sendable? Can we send you out? Right. And and as we go through that, we're training the person in four different ways. We have a 24-7 person, uh, Voxer app, which everybody's connected, all of our church planners. They're connected through that. Um, we have a, a Zoom meeting where the planters come every month, and they can see the other planters, and we go through uh, just some real good praxis of maybe it's um, maybe it's applicational missional engagement, or maybe it's something else along those lines, but it's, it's always edifying. And then we also have a regional coordinator that everybody gets connected to. Uh, and then we have our path right system, which is all of our content development. So with that four pronged approach, we believe that we're giving guys and, and so here's another distinctive of ours too. We don't just train men. We train men and women. We are a brother and a sisterhood that is completely different than any other network. Um, but we believe like Priscilla and Aquila, it was a husband and wife team, and they were they went out together. So some networks will train uh, or will train the man, but they'll tell the woman, we just want to know if you believe your husband's called and we want to have an interview with you and they want to work with you. But and they if never you can play the piano, that's an added bonus. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, but they never train her. So one of the distinctives of Newbreed is we want to train husband and wife. We want to train yeah. the woman too, because yeah. she's a church planner with her husband. So that makes us different. Well, it, vastly different. And yeah, you mentioned Priscilla and Aquila, and notice how the Bible uh, refers to her. Paul refers to her first. Uh, you know, that, boy, that's a whole nother program. <laughs> We'll have to save that for another time, folks. In the meantime, we do have to take a quick time out here in just a moment. Matt Fretwell is our guest. He is uh, the pastor at Oak Hall Baptist near Richmond, Virginia, also uh, an advocate board member of Living Breed Ministries and director of operations for New Breed Church Planting. 
And uh, he is our guest tonight as we talk about church planting. When we come back, uh, Matt, I, I want to take a look at 2017 for church planting. Plus, you've also mentioned a few names, Nam, Pillar. For most listening tonight, this is a whole new area of really this this whole culture within the Christian circle exists, and I don't know about this. What is this culture all about? We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center. We've got a look at your commute tonight. And now back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we're back. It's Lifeline, Andy Froyland. In for Craig Roberts, by the way, who's uh, got the week off. So uh, we're playing in the sandbox. And Matt Fretwell joins me tonight with his matchbox cars and uh, shovel. And we're just having a grand old time here talking about all things church planting related. Now, let's clarify. Matt, I'll let you do the honors on this one. There is a difference between church planting and church transplanting. I think most, if they have a concept of church planting, it's it's the transplant type. Uh, fill us in and 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 the distinctives and the differences between the two. Well, um, I like to say so. Most of the people, even when we say planting, people uh, when I talk to people and they say, "What do you do?" and I say, oh, "I'm a director of you know church planting network." And they're like, "What's planting?" And so it's a little e- <laughs> it's a little easier to sometimes say starting. But um, when if you take like fifty to a hundred people, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and you're transferring them over to another uh, area, another geographic location. It's almost what, what we used to do when we used to have colonization, where we would take all these Americans to another country, and then we would tell them how they're supposed to live, how they're supposed to worship, how they're supposed to uh, live in a new culture now because our culture is more superior, right? And so that was colonization. Right. It's right. sort of the same thing if you take 50 or 100 people and you move them to another city from another church and you call that church planting. That's really not church planting, in my opinion. Now, I know I'll have a lot of people who probably will disagree <laughs> with me, but and that's okay that's because, right. I, like I said, it's a form. It would be a form of it. But true church planting is it's really about what we would say as a, a pastor exegeting or pulling out the meaning of a text. So you pull out the meaning of the culture, how – what – what does the the city or community? What do they worship? Um, how do they worship? Uh, how how do you intersect uh, the gospel or the good news that Christ has redeemed mankind and has restored them with a future hope? How do you intersect that with daily life? And so, this is what our church planners are engaging. It's the true lostness of a place. So we don't, I have people who call me and they'll say, you know, I think I want to join new breed. And my, my first question is always, why, why, why do you want to join new breed? And if I don't hear words and I don't want to, I shouldn't even give this away. Don't, 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 don't don't, don't give it away. (laughs) Yeah. Because people probably, but, but one of the things that I'll say this, I'll say one of, one of the things that I want to hear though is lostness. And and if I don't hear that, if I, I, because a lot of times you'll hear people say, you know, there's not a church like the one I want to plant, or uh, there's a lot of churches in this area, but none have the doctrine that I have. And, and I'm like, okay, yeah. that's, that's all well and good. But that's really not church planting. 
you, you're really just trying to start something else and and to make your own church that that fits you. Church planting is really about bringing the gospel into a place where it doesn't exist. Yes, or or you know, or reaching a lostness that no one is reaching. Yes, that's really about that's it's intrinsic. It's it's deep down. It's deep rooted. It's grassroots. It's reaching and scratching the the surface of the darkness of the community. That's church planning, in my opinion. Now I know there's there's many different forms, many different models, and I'll I'll agree with my friends with that and different networks. Sure. Um, to that to that extent, but for the most part, I would say church, the difference in church planning and and more about transference is just uh, one. You you already have a church. If you have fifty to a hundred people, you already have a church. You're yeah. not starting anything. Yeah. Yeah. And and really, at the end of the day, the, the term we use, planting, as opposed to what I've termed transplanting, uh, to go for, for example, New Breed Church planting, you're going to go out and plant seeds. You're going to go out and, and, and begin the harvest. A transplant, you're going to just uproot what's already been planted and has been thriving and growing and move it to a different location. And in my mind, yeah, that's not church planting. That's transplanting. And, well, good luck with that. Have at yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's not successful. <laughs> it doesn't mean that they're not reaching people. I'm not going to argue that. Right. I'm just saying. I, I mean, struggle. Plant, and and you, yeah. may, you may have seen this, Matt, but here on, on, on the left coast, I struggle with the multiple. There's no multiplication. And there's really no addition. There's just a, a, a transference. You, you're just moving a group of people from from uh, location A to location B. The numbers never change, and that's the problem I've always found with the with the standard issue uh, church planning that everybody is familiar with. There's no growth. There's just transference, and meanwhile, there's a there's a group of people in the local park that are homeless that have never heard the gospel of Christ, and they're they're just lost. They're dark, and they need saving, and and there right. are people dying in their sins, <laughs> and we don't care because we've moved to a new location and we've got our own little doctrine that's going to fit with the orange uh, carpet that we want for our church that the other church wouldn't let us have, and yada 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 i this is one of the things i've always appreciated about new breed and uh you know our our dear friend peyton uh there is a dead and dying world out there and we've been called to it and uh that is and and i guess i'll use that as a transition because i can get off into another tangent here and i don't want to do that that is what makes this uh, uh, new breed, and as I mentioned before the break, uh, you've used other terms or other other names, Nam, Pillar. All of a sudden, it seems in the last ten to five, ten to uh, five to ten years, all of these groups have been cropping up with this understanding that you guys have, at least foundationally, that to mm-hmm. plant a church is to go out and find lost people and and love on them and minister to them instead of taking existing Christians and moving to another location. What has 2017 done for church planting, not just New Breed, but all these others? And and, and for our audience, you may even want to give us an idea of what NAM is and Pillar, and uh, there's the Send Network. There's all kinds of folks out there. Right. Uh, what has 2017 yeah, so- done for us? What does it look like? <laughs> 
Wow. So first, let's start with with NAM. So NAM is the North American Mission Board, and they do a fantastic job. I mean, just a really, really fantastic job in supporting, encouraging, um, and helping church planners in reaching their communities. I will give them that. Hands down, I think they are the biggest church planting organization that is out there. And they are also connected to the, the send network is their network that's that's north american mission board's network um and so the north american mission board or the the baptist association that's connected their uh, southern baptist convention and they just they train up uh, church planners and they like to see core groups go out together into these uh, hard to reach places and they do they reach hard to reach places i will give them that a uh, pillar i just was connected to them recently love i'm starting to really love these guys there's a little different now they have a training network but um and, and i hope I, I don't really screw this up because i just really talked to uh zach nelson from uh who's their executive director uh and as he and i spoke and, and sort of collaborated together on how we can network um the pillar network is more about uh encouraging and training churches to send out uh church planters and to be able to uh, train them as mother churches that they can have the resources that they need to train church planners um, and connect um, a lot of those churches together. Uh, I might have messed that up a tiny bit, but I'm pretty sure that that's because they're a little bit different. They're right. not they're not training church planners like we are. They're focusing more on the church and doing that. And so, I would say this: that church that 2017 has. Uh, or God has birthed within the minds of apostolic leaders within evangelicalism. And I, I almost hate to use the term now because it's been hijacked, but that just means that you're a born again believer in Christ and that you believe Christ is the only way. And so within that, we have more networks that are popping up to train, encourage, and send out uh, planters to reach areas that are unreachable or that have been um, never affected, whether it's locally or globally. So even within New Breed, we have New Breed Global now. Um, we even have church planters in other countries. I, I think what you're what we're starting to see is the difference. Is it used to be more about? missional aspects of sending out missionaries into certain areas. And I think we're, you're starting to see more of a focus now on reproducible disciple making. And so if we're going to be church planting and sending out planters, technically they are missionaries. Yeah, they they definitely are. They're missionaries on the on the front lines of darkness. Um, but what we want to do is make disciple makers. So as I always say, Jesus didn't make disciples, he made disciple makers. And after three years, he was finished with making disciple makers, and then sent them out to make other disciple makers as well. So that's a big difference. And what you will see in the curriculums and in the focus of church planning in 2017, there's starting to be more of a focus on reproducible disciple making um, so that we can be a little bit more um, intrinsic, a little bit more grassroots, a little bit more uh, being able to uh, map out community, mm -hmm. uh, exegete community, and then be right. able to reach it to the most effective way. 
Matt Fretwell, our guest here tonight on Lifeline, the Director of Operations for New Breed Church Planting. We're talking about church planting, what it looked like in 2017, what it's going to look like in 2018, uh, all things considered. We will spend some time with him uh, again on the other side of this break in just a moment. Stick around. Uh, we, We will continue our conversation with Matt in just a moment. Right now, we have a look at the commute for you, and we'll pick up a conversation with the guy over there who has his eye on that traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we're back. It's Lifeline. Andy Froyland, my guest, Matt Fretwell, joining us tonight to talk about, uh, well, missions, uh, evangelism, all wrapped up in the guise of church planting and how you plant church, what it, what it means to plant a church. Uh, Matt, real quick, if you no specific numbers, but if you could look back at 2017, what does the landscape look like for new churches that actually got started, folks who actually caught the vision and wanted to get involved? You guys have seen a lot of growth. I know at New Breed, uh, NAM, obviously, across the board, there's been a, a research resurgence in understanding and wanting to be about the Lord's business, hasn't there? There has, and for there are many different variables which which uh, kind of expand those numbers. Obviously, with New Breed, we we are exponent, uh, we've grown exponentially, but there are factors in for that also, and being able to to create more of a, a structured leadership as well. But I think for the most part, um, what we are seeing is there were there was a dire need and a, a yearning, a call out that was going out that saying, look, we have close to you know fifteen thousand, or it would take almost any anyway. I guess. The, the most conservative term would probably be about 7,000 a year. Some would say 15,000 a year that if we don't have at least that many planted per year, we can't even keep up with the amount of population that we have to maintain evangelical growth. So only 12% of Americans attend church on any given Sunday, um, which is crazy. And only 26% claim to be evangelical. So we're we're really on this downslide within uh, the um, American religion and American, I would say, not just religion, but within the aspect of Christianity in the United States. And so as Europe, normally the United States sort of follows. And uh, we have this call now to say, hey, we better awaken real fast. So one of the variables, I would say, is that dire need of, look, we have churches that are closing its doors every single day, mm-hmm. every year, and what are we going to do? Because even if we're just going to maintain the status quo, if we just want to stay at the 26% level, we have to plant anywhere from seven to 15,000 churches per year just to maintain that. And I don't even think we're not even close to that, in my opinion. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we're not even close. But that's one variable, and I think another variable, probably even more so, is that uh, dying churches, and we have so many of them, just don't want to change. They don't want, you know, everyone wants to go back to the golden, olden days and say, this is how we used to do it. And I always say, well, how's that working for you? You know? So those are two. Those are two of the things. As as you look forward to 2018— what do you see on the horizon, not just for new breed, but for church planting as, uh, at large? Are, are you seeing a sense of, of 
uh, denominations and other other folks, other churches, uh, catching this vision at all, going, okay, well, maybe we should listen to you guys a little bit more? Well, I do find that there's a lot more collaboration in the aspect of a mutual investment. And what I mean by that is if there's not an investment for a denomination to be a part of something, they're probably not going to collaborate. But if there is collaboration, it's probably because the investment that they're getting is mutual training. So because New Breed trains is non-denominational and trains multiple um, denominations, what we do find is we have collaboration and we have networking like I've never seen. Uh, I'm in touch with United United Methodists. I'm in, ter- in, ch- in touch with uh, guys with PCA or X- X29 guys or mm-hmm. NAM guys, like I said, Assemblies of God, the Church of Christ, so many different denominations. And I think for the first time, we're starting to come to an agreement which can agree, at least with New Breed, we'll say, if we can be- believe with the Apostles' Creed, we're going to work with you. And so we're finding that that is a little bit more refreshing than it used to be. Let's build our own empire. So I think 2018, we're going to see a lot more collaboration across the board. Um, One bad side is I think within communities because of fear, because of uh, terrorism, because of things that have changed our ways of life. And even because of uh, social media, there's more isolationism Mm. within culture. So it's going to be a little bit more difficult. And we really have to be intentional about reaching people within community. It's going to be different in the way that we church plant compared to the way we used to do it. Uh, is that is that going to incorporate more uh, technology then? I, I, at some point, and this is one of the things I've always appreciated about New Breed, uh, the gospel always transcends culture. And I think that's been one of the challenges with so many other denominations. They've got to try and insert themselves into the culture to relate to the culture. And then as a result, uh, the mission and ministry gets watered down. How do you how do you overcome things like that? Right. Well, I think I can't remember who said it, but in my doctoral work, I remember we talked about culture eats strategy for lunch. You know, and I mean, like, and and it and it does. It does. And so we're. I mean, we are in an ever changing uh, culture. So we will utilize we'll utilize uh, Facebook and we'll utilize. Twitter and other means and Instagram to be able to use targeting, uh, which you, you will see that. And a lot of companies now use targeting uh, um, in reaching out to people. But I think for the most part, um, while social media can be used effectively and in a good way, I think for the most part, we really need to be ground back to ground pounding and, and back to the basics of building relationships within our communities, um, but then we follow up with those with technology. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, you cannot replace a uh, relationship, and, and right. that, that one-on-one, face-to-face. And, and, and I think that that's the, the whole challenge that this current generation really struggles with. I mean, you know, when you can sit there and drive your kids to the school 
and they're talking to each other by texting, you got a problem. <laughs> That's not healthy. Uh, and, and, and we've seen that. So as we wrap things up, Matt, uh, how would somebody get a hold of New Breed Church Planning? We've been talking about this, and there's probably a guy out there going, oh, man, they're, they're scratching my heart. This has been what I've been thinking about. Oh, they've been answering some questions. <laughs> what do I do with this now? You, you got me all worked up. How do, where do I go? What do I do? Yeah. So what do they so, do? <laughs> so our website's easy to find, obviously, newbreednetwork.org, newbreednetwork.org. And then it's even easier just to find, I'm the first contact that will be reached. So it's matt at newbreednetwork.org. Uh, yeah, I mean, they can find me there or Twitter. It's just MT Fretwell on Twitter. We're, I mean, we're in every social media, even Facebook, where you look up Newbury Church Planning and you'll find us. It's all right there. And uh, again, man, I, I'm excited to hear what the, the year 2018 will hold for you guys. And uh, I am uh, I'm encouraged by all that I've seen in the last year or so as it relates to uh, church planting and just the the recognition of it and the excitement about it that has been crossing boundaries as it were it's it's been exciting to see and i'm I'm looking forward to two thousand and eighteen i don't know about you, but I'm thinking the Lord has something in store that's it's going to be exciting uh, so Matt, thank Amen. you so much for being our guest here tonight on lifeline it's been a real pleasure and a treat, and we appreciate it. Thank you, Andy, and blessings to all your listeners. All right, folks, that will wrap things up. As always, it's a pleasure and a delight spending time with you. Uh, of course, you round out the trifecta. Wanda Sanchez, my producer. Uh, Mr. Jarrell Martin over there on the other side of the glass, pressing all those colored buttons and making things sound really cool. Uh, it just can't be done without the three of you, and we appreciate it. Until tomorrow night when we will do this all over again with new guests and new conversations. God bless. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 